This is episode number 279 with the shark, Damon John. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome, everyone, to episode 279. Thank you so much for being here. And make sure to head back to the show notes at lewishouse.com slash 279 to check out all the notes we talked about, all the links and the information from this episode. And make sure to share this out with your friends to let them know what you're listening to right now. Again, lewishouse.com slash 279. We've got a great guest on today. His name is Mr. Damon John, and he's the famed founder and CEO of the global fashion brand FUBU and star of ABC's Emmy award-winning TV show Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows to watch. And he's got a new book out that's called The Power of Broke. And I'm very excited to dive into Damon's story about this book. And some fun facts is that FUBU is a $6 billion business, and every morning he says, Rise and grind. What we talk about and dive into today are about the beliefs that he built up early on that he could succeed in the fashion business and where that came from, what his biggest challenge was in scaling once his brand took off, what extremely wealthy people do differently than most every other type of individual, how easy it is to test your concept nowadays before you invest too much in it, and how you can launch your own idea at any moment, why Damon reads his goals five days a week, morning and night, and much, much more. I think you're going to enjoy this. Again, make sure to share this out with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 279. And let's go ahead and dive into this episode with the one, the only, Damon John. Welcome, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest today. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Damon John. Good Thanks to see for you. having me. Thanks What's for happening? being here. Very excited about your book. It just came out. It's called The Power of Broke. Make sure you guys go grab this right now. Highly recommend it. A bunch of my mutual friends are featured in here, so it was cool to see that we know some of the same people. Amazing people. Big brains. Big brains doing some big things and uh, trying to all emulate what you've created. You've created a huge brand, obviously, and uh, you're- Thank you. You you know, you've- since the FUBU brand, you've been you know, well-known for being on Shark Tank, so congratulations for all the success of the show and all the opportunities. It's a come fun from. ride. It's amazing. It's an amazing ride. Yeah. How many seasons is that now? Uh, seventh. This is our seventh season. season. Sure. Wow, it's crazy. What's been um, the craziest thing that's happened in the last seven seasons for you? The craziest thing for me personally, <laughs> you're saying? Yeah, from Shark Tank, let's say. Well, because of the Shark Tank love, I, um, you know, I got put on this uh, public pedestal where – you know, people started to understand that, you know, as a people started to understand that kind of that shark tank carpet, that entrepreneur that stands on that carpet, uh, it doesn't discriminate against uh, creed, color, religion, sex. You know, you it's the ultimate equalizer. Mm. Right. That that empowerment is the ultimate equalizer. And no matter who you are in this great country that we live in, you have a shot. 
And with that acknowledgement, I was uh, I was appointed as a presidential ambassador of global entrepreneurship, a page ambassador by President Obama in the White House. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm one of several uh, people such as uh, Tory Burch and Steve Case are on there. And um, I, I had the privilege of uh, going to uh, Kenya with uh, the president and the and and the White House wow. and and visiting Kenya and spreading the word of entrepreneurship of how wow. it can empower you and it can it can it can um help you feed your family and help you uh you know empower others when you know this unfortunately the world we live in when you don't have hope other people tend to thrive off of that and ask you to to be part of whatever their cause is and you you feel that that's the only hope you have but right. if now you know you can have a smartphone you can open up a smartphone and make a couple of dollars and you can hopefully feed your husband wife kids and empower yourself you're less likely to go and do some things that aren't in the best interest of uh sure. humans sure you know and mankind right um want to start from the beginning briefly and ask who was the most influential person in your childhood growing up, and what was the biggest lesson they taught you? That by far would be my mother. Um, you know, I never, I never realized the lessons that she taught me until I ended up becoming, you know, a parent myself and realizing that I ended up following all the steps or all the mistakes I made. Many of the mistakes I made, my mother had, had, had advised me that those were going to be mistakes, but she never uh, stopped me from going down the path because she wanted me to make those mistakes on my own and learn. Um, so she's always been uh, the number one important mentor that I've ever had. And then, you know, life is a series of mentors. I went on mm-hmm. from there and, you know, I had one great teacher and that's all you need is one really great teacher in school that makes you feel really special. And then I had a, a mentor who owned a, a corner store in my neighborhood and, and he would teach me and, and explain to me, you know, his business tactics. And then my mother <clears throat> ended up having a boyfriend who I call my stepfather who, um, who was actually of the Jewish faith, and you know he he taught me that love doesn't come in a uh, in a color or a gender, and that mm-hmm. and that um you know for me to be very proud of my culture, but don't be anti anything else and respect everybody. So I, I think that gave me a a broader look at life, and I never walked in the room with a chip on my shoulder. I also never thought anybody else was better than me, but I never thought anybody had it better than me too because. People of all colors uh, have challenges in life, dreams and aspirations. So those things all led me, uh, you know, to be the man that I am. And I'm, I'm very happy of those experiences. Yeah. And what got you into or being interested into the fashion world and the clothing world? Uh, well, it was this um, new music that was coming out of the Bronx right around 1982, 83. It was called, uh, you know, rap music. And it, it made its way into Queens where I lived. And his music was amazing. It was fascinating. You know, before that, I would listen to music. Uh, you know, great, great people like, of course, you know, rest in peace, David Bowie, and and Rolling Stones, and Donna Summer, Stevie Wonder, Barry White. But all these people had this beautiful way of singing. They had this orchestra and everything else. Uh, and they they touched on some of the political issues in the world. But this music that was coming out of uh, the Bronx, uh, named rap, it was kind of like our version of Twitter today. I always yeah. say it was like a disruptive technology because. I started to hear about other kids, their hopes and their dreams, their aspirations, the plights of the neighborhood, things that I wouldn't be able to see on the news. Mm -hmm. And they were putting it in a rhythmic form, and uh, it was starting to educate us. And it came with a way not only to 
to listen to music, but a way to walk, talk, and even dress. Yeah. And you felt like you were part of this society if you wore your Adidas with fat laces on or you knew how to break dance. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's where I sort of find my identity as a young man. Uh, so uh, that, that's really where fashion started right, right. Um, with me. I wouldn't know till you know i was about 12 years old uh, i wouldn't know till probably about another 10 years 15 years that maybe we should all do something uh that we love right <laughs> i tried everything else yeah but n- i never thought about fashion it's kind of like you know you bust your butt to go uh and, and and work and make a living and then you go out and on the weekends you kind of <laughs> snowboard and do all stuff like that but you never thought about busting your butt building snowboard yeah, yeah. or 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 yeah or right, snowboarding right. and making money like rob deerdeck your buddy rob deerdeck. exactly yeah. rob yeah rob's in the book as well of exactly. course yeah that's interesting so how old were you when you sold your first article of clothing how old was i um how old was I? It was, uh, I, always, I, always, I know the date. It was, I know exactly the date. <laughs> it was 1989, Good Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 37 degrees outside. I stood outside the Coliseum Mall in 1989, so I was 20 years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, 20 years old. 20 years what old. Was, when did you have, uh, how old were you when you said you had the passion for? I had the passion at 10, 10 11, 12. Okay. 12. I had a passion for fashion earlier on in my life prior to that as well, but it was really my mother was dressing me because we didn't, you know, not, Really, when I was four or five or six, because we didn't have money enough money to go right. buy clothes, so she would sew them. Interesting. And sometimes okay. the pocket would be hanging up in the back somewhere, sure, but sure. it was okay. So, what gave you? What? Did, when did you decide that you had the permission to go create your own things or sew them in the basement and then go sell them? What gave you that? You know, belief in yourself well, that you could create this. I, I, you know what? It, again, like like most of us start, there was no belief that I could do it, but I remember walking into a store and um, I started to see cross colors everywhere and then I walked in the store and I saw this picture of this guy who like looked like a young Mike Tyson <laughs> hanging off a pair of jeans and it was uh, Carl Kanai. And then it just hit me. I thought prior to that, we always thought that you had to be from Italy and France to design. You had to be older and like a you know, you know the the guys with the with the tape around their neck. You know the the tailors, right? Sure, sure. And so, or, or whatever the fashion designer had looked yeah. like in those days. <laughs> and I thought I just I'm just supposed to buy from them. Mm. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, then I'm watching a De La Soul video. I remember and seeing them wearing these hats. It almost looked like a ski cap, but it has like a tie on the top. And I couldn't find that hat uh, anywhere in Queens. I finally find one uptown Manhattan. I I pay for the the hat. I come home. I show my mother. I say, look, ma, I you know I I I paid. Uh, you know I always say a joke. I paid six thousand gas, nine hundred dollars in tolls, and twenty dollars for the hat. <laughs> Check this out. And she goes, that's a piece of crap. But I could, Damon, I could show you how to sew hats like that so you can sew as many as you want so you can wear them. You don't have to do that. So go get $40 worth of fabric. I go to the store, get $40 worth of fabric. I come home. I give my mother the, the, the stuff to sew the hats. And she says, I'm not sewing this. You're sewing this. (laughs) So crap. Now I got to work at this. I sew the hats and then all of a sudden I have all these hats and only one head because (laughs) it's not like I was too stupid or I wasn't thinking. Thank God I didn't buy uh, $40 worth of different fabric. I bought $40 worth of the same fabric. Yeah, I one maybe every three years. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, so that, that's when it happened. That's when I went out and sold yeah. those hats in the outside on that Good Friday, and I sold $800 worth of hats in one hour. Wow. 
And that's when it just snapped. It just I just said to myself, wait a minute. I made this with my own hands. I went and sold this to individuals, and nobody was in my way. I didn't have to get a check from a boss. Nobody told me when or mm-hmm. to come to work or go to work. I can't get fired from this because of my color creed or whatever the case is. I'm responsible for what's happening here, yeah. and I will either fail because every decision I make, or I'll succeed because of every decision mm-hmm. I make. Was that the first time that you made money on your own as an entrepreneur, or were you? No, 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 no. I made money on my own and lost money on my own as an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I started my first business. It took me a long time to really decide what I want to do and what was my first business. It took me forever to decide my first business. But my first business, I finally decided what I wanted to do when I was six years old. Wow. It took me forever, okay. right? <laughs> I was uh, selling pencils in in school. Wow! Uh, and then I would. Then I would go ahead and 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 sell candy, and then when I when 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 it snowed, I would shovel snow in the winter, rake leaves in the in the fall, and and then I remember when I used to shovel snow, I used to go and kids would want to help me because I started getting you know everybody in the blocks that I wanted to. I would travel about three miles and and take care of it. Kids would want to help me, so I would tell them. Okay, no problem. Here's what you're gonna do. If you're gonna help me, I'm gonna let you work. I'm gonna give you a couple. Let's split the money with you, mm-hmm. but you gotta do a, a spring cleanup for free mm-hmm. so we can go back into spring. And then I would go to the to the owners of the house and say, "Well, everybody else in the block, if you shovel, if they shovel your snow, they're charging you three dollars. If I shovel your snow three times during the the winter, I'm gonna give you a." a free spring cleanup. Mm. So I was leveraging all those little guys <laughs> in the neighborhood. I love it. Ah, oh, man, that was a great business. <laughs> now, when did you realize that you kind of, you know, the $800 first day, it might've been a great first day, but when yeah. did you realize like, okay, I have something actually that is consistently getting results. I mean, was it just easy for you after that? No. For the next year, you were just making 800 bucks every day and then it just kept growing or was there like, oh, there's some dry spells here or I need to, change where I'm promoting it. Like anything in business, it was always uh, a dry spell here, a dry spell there. But in all reality, you know, my friends and I, we love selling the hats. Why? Because there was a reason to talk to girls on the street. There you go. Right? That's and why then, we do a lot of things. Of course right? we do. <laughs> That's why we do a lot of things. Everything, right? If we didn't have women in the world, we'd all be walking around barefoot and just, you know, no teeth, right? Exactly. But, um, <laughs> And then I would start going to the Black Expos where there was like a basic flea market on the road and I would try to sell shirts there. Why? Yeah. Because girls were there. Right, right. But also, we started, we were really passionate about what we were doing right. and, and we started getting that high when we sold stuff at a black expo, you know, and then we'd go to another one and we'd see somebody wearing it. I go, wow. That's pretty cool. And that's when they came back and started saying, Man, you know, I tell everybody about this shirt and they ask me for it, so I need to buy three now because I got to uh, buy it for everybody. And we started saying, wow. Right? And it just became so, uh, exciting. I, I would have normally paid to go to the Black Expo right. to go around and buy stuff or see stuff. And then, you know, we happen to live in Hollis, Queens. There's a lot of music artists in Hollis, Queens. You know, obviously, uh, Salt and Pepper, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Tribal Quest. A lot of them come from there. We didn't really know them, but we knew all their friends. Uh-huh. But then all of a sudden we heard, we were saying, well, can we get something in a video? And they would go, yeah, come on down. And we go down to the video and there's craft services. It's free to eat. As wow. much food as you want. You get to see somebody like LL Cool J performing a song. There's video vixens running around. Girls everywhere. I would have paid to go there. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to go, hey, put on a shirt. They put right. on a shirt. And I, then I'd say, man, I don't have any money to uh, – I have a small company, so I really can't afford to lose that shirt. Can I have it back? Really? Yeah. And they would give it back. back? And they would give it back, yeah. Wow. There's only one rapper who never gave um, the shirt back to me. 
Old Dirty Bastard, of course. <laughs> okay, awesome. If you expect to get anything back from a man named Old Dirty Bastard, <laughs> there's bigger issues. Exactly. It sounds like, you know, what you did. Uh, when was this? What, what year was yours? This was, well, well, honestly, I opened Food 189. I closed it three, three times because I, I, I ran out of capital from 89 to 92. So the story really goes from 89 to around 96. Okay, cool. So 20 years ago, you were essentially the, the true uh, branding expert who was leveraging the, the Instagram influencers of today. You were yeah. leveraging the you know music stars, the, the MTV stars, yes, and getting that social media out there on MTV sure. uh, as opposed to on Instagram, which is what brands are doing today. They're trying Correct. to find the top influencers and get yeah. their, brand, their, their clothing on them. Yeah, we always call FUBU the first hashtag of clothing, you know? There so, you go. Yeah. I like it. I like it. What, was, what would you say was the biggest challenge um, once you started to really take off and grow? Yeah. Um, obviously, as a small business owner, when a trend hits and everyone wants your, your product, how did you handle that, and what was the biggest challenge? Scalability was very hard because it was how do I go and finance and 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 underwrite you know these things you know where where will I get the capital how what's the turnaround time and I didn't have any financial intelligence at the time right so you know my journey you could sell and you could hustle and I could sell and- I could hustle but you know my journey I I I almost failed. Or and lost everything several times uh, throughout that journey because I just didn't know how to use the tool of money. Yeah, yeah. And um and and it's so hard to try to acquire all that knowledge within the same time. How do I acquire the knowledge of branding, marketing, distribution, manufacturing, warehousing, shipping, financial customer intelligence, support, customer yeah, support? You know, return on goods. You know, consumption. It's you know what I mean? It, it's so hard. So. <laughs> Of course, I had to start leveraging as well and creating a bunch of strategic relationships mm-hmm. because I knew I needed that. I knew I needed that because, you know, listen, you know, when you tell somebody to stop smoking, you know, a couple of times and, and, and after the 10th time, they know they they already have a problem with smoking. They don't want to listen to you. Listen, mm-hmm. forget it. I'm not even going to address it. I'm going to start smoking. When you have a business, you have to answer the call or yeah. you're closed. Right. Right, so you have to plug the dam, and I knew I had to plug the dam, so I started just creating a lot of strategic relationships, and that's actually the power of broke, mm. because it is the fact that, you know, if I would have had money, when I went to those video sets, I would have paid the director, I would have paid the producer, I would have paid the the, the rapper, everybody yeah. else, right? I'd have, if you gave me. Uh, twenty thousand dollars at that time, and I heard that LL Cool J will wear my stuff for five thousand dollars, and the director wants five thousand dollars to wear it. They're getting the money, of course, right? Yeah. And they're gonna wear it. But I got into thirty, forty videos with zero dollars, right? Because I had no way to do it. And I had nothing to lose. You couldn't take anything from me. I didn't have right. anything. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you couldn't even give me your shirt. Right. You took it back. <laughs> I, I took it back. Right. And I said, I got you later. Yeah, right? right, older best said you got me now. But <laughs> uh, you know, when, when you have when you when you when you're working with the power of broke, it does a couple of things. Number one, it makes sure that you learn the process yourself. You can't afford to hire anybody else. So all those people out there who who pay forty thousand dollars for a website when it really costs five, right? Right? Or you, you can leverage it by bartering or something. Whatever the case is, right? So you have to learn the process. And what happens during that? period of time of learning the process is that when and if and hopefully you get to the point that you are successful, nobody can tell you lies. 
You can't have somebody say, well, I'm not going to tell you about shipping because, you know, you're firing me and I got to go work it out yourself. I said, get the hell out of the way. I've been doing this for eight years myself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you, you get and you learn the process, number one. Number two is because you don't have a lot of capital, you focus on the only thing that you can do. You don't drown an opportunity. You don't take a bunch of money and go, oh, we should try a bunch of stuff. Here right. you go. Here's 10000 here, 10000 here, 10000 here, 10000 here. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go, all right, what are we going to do with this hat yeah. right now? One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host you know so that's the process mm. and that process is very very important also you learn and it brings out the character of who you have around you when you operate the power of broke what do you mean by that well if you if you if you're busy let's open a business today let's go take a ten thousand let's go take a hundred thousand dollar loan well what happens when the money goes away mm. because when i didn't have anything people worked with me for free and i i saw who rose to the challenge i saw who jumped ship right i saw who was problem solvers and problem creators mm. and and that's the process of activating the power of broke because to tell you the <laughs> truth the the people who activate, activate the power broke more than anybody else are the people who are successful because yeah. that's how they stay successful. Would you say that those individuals have a powerful vision and then are really great at enrolling others in that vision? Is they, that the key ingredient or well, well, first, getting the team to do it essentially for – Absolutely. But it's not that they have a powerful vision and they've enrolled in everybody in the vision, but there's no reason for everybody who is enrolling into it to jump on a sinking ship or a bad idea. You see, we're going to get A on our report card. Sometimes we're going to get an F. Mm -hmm. So if my power broke concept, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm creating FUBU. They didn't wear it because I was giving the shirts away. They wore it because they had to dig in their pocket and they had to pull out their hard earned money and buy it. Now, if you go out and you give a hundred shirts away to all your friends and family, even if it's the nastiest looking shirt, somebody's going to feel bad for you, usually your mother, right. and they're going to come to you and say, boy, son, I wore this at the store and they loved my shirt, <laughs> right? Because yeah. that's mom. Yeah, right. Go try to sell that shirt to a hundred people who couldn't give a crap about you, right. who got to dig in their pocket <laughs> for ten dollars. You want to get a, 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 you want to get a, what do you call it? A, a focus group? Yeah, yeah. Try going to Harlem like I used to and, and selling sell shirts on and the streets. on the streets. <laughs> oh, they're going to give you the focus group for free. <laughs> exactly. They're going to love it or not. So would you say the power broke is more of a mindset or a way of being? What do you think? It is a mindset. It is an absolute mindset. It, it is a way to think and it is a way to know that, um, listen, if you really think about it, well, I can't come up with anything. I can't come up with any time, anything of substance in my life. Relationship, whether it's personal relationship with family, friends, loved ones, you know, uh, that money ever was the reason the relationship worked. 
The, it never was. It was always a byproduct on a working relationship. Mm. You know, it's like you're going out and getting a dating a hot girl, right? Your first day, hey, how you doing? Pull up to her in a Bentley. Next day, buying her roses. Next day, buying her uh, everything, right? Jewelry, and jewelry all the time, right? Month later, you lose your your job, or you got sued for a billion dollars, or whatever, and you lost everything. She's probably gonna be like, well, hell, I was so used to the roses. Right. What happened? You know, but and I'm not saying that just about women or, or men, but sure, sure. but it, if if things are built on a on a poor foundation, there's nothing there. Right, right, right. Gotcha. So what about you know? People say this is great and all. I'm a struggling entrepreneur, so I'm going to instill this power of broke. But what about you? Do you still have this with all the the wealth that you've created? How do you create that when you have a, you know an abundance of income? Essentially, what people may think uh, when you could put money into things and invest and, and try these different yeah. things. How do you? How do I exercise the power of broke? Yeah. So when it, you have the funds. Yeah, exactly. So it. It takes an average of sixty to seventy-five thousand dollars to create a clothing line, a first sample clothing line. It takes right. about nine months to to get it fully done. How many samples? Like one sample? Uh, like you know, a, a line of let's say twenty-four pieces. Okay. Um, it, it, I'm sorry, if you're paying a designer, and you're not doing it yourself. I would say one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Gotcha. Right. I don't do that. So if I have something great logo, whatever the case is, I will go and get a tailor to maybe sew up four pieces and average about fifteen hundred dollars. Then I go and find an Instagram star or a video if I could. I give them a thousand, a thousand, maybe three thousand. I put the stuff out and I go and watch the phone. Anybody calling? Anybody calling? Anybody <laughs> calling? Want this. All right, you liked it. You liked it. All right, let's let's do another shirt. Right. Nobody calling. We're good. Cut bait. Sure. I can do whatever I want, yeah. right? I can put out a book called, uh, you know, Power Broke, and I can hire a lot of great publicists and take out ads and everything mm -hmm. else like that. Mm -hmm. Or I can schedule nine times, reschedule nine times with you to come over here mm -hmm. and beg you to be on your podcast <laughs> and call another uh, ten guys like you, uh, you know, Adam Corral, and all these people, yeah, yeah. And, and, and go out there and bust my butt and use the power broke myself and send it out to 100 ambassadors, call them personally and say, hey, what do you think about any changes? What can mm -hmm. I do for you? Yeah. Stop over the store and start just signing out of nowhere. I just pull up in a Barnes & Noble and just start signing like crazy. I have to activate the power broke because right. you know what happens. When you have a sales staff and people, the number one person they're selling is you on how good of a job they're doing right. and how maybe you didn't give them the right materials. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So how can someone learn this? Is this something that everyone can learn? This This absolutely mindset? is something that everybody can learn. And that's why in the book, I don't want people to think that I have uh, you know, I have this magical touch, this secret right. sauce. And that's why, as you've seen in there, there are many people that you and I know mm -hmm. that I've interviewed and I've learned from in that book, fifteen over 15 people that have um, have accomplished massive success in their life. You right. know, I love talking about the people. Rob Durdak, as you say, yeah, yeah. started off as a skateboarder, yeah. no money at all. Uh, uh, Kevin Plank, the CEO yeah. of Under Armour, $4 billion annual sales, didn't have enough money to pay a toll uh, when he started his company, so they wrote him a ticket at the toll booth wow. or or mark Burnett, the head of my show right abc uh abc shark tank the man was a special forces or one of those type of things in uh in 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 the in the military in europe he comes over here first job a nanny wow he was a nanny second job selling t-shirts on venice beach mm. right or let's look at i always joke about it because i put up a post about um Steve Aoki, 
I said, oh, the operation power broke. Everybody hit me. You know, everybody judges things without reading. <laughs> Steve Aoki's dad had um, Benny Hanna's. He was rich. Mm. Yeah, well, that actually hurt him because when he went to the the hood to play music and be down with the click, the keep it real artist guys, uh-huh. they were like, take your rich butt home. <laughs> Don't come around here, little rich boy. Yeah. And then when he went to dad and said, I need some money to do this and that, dad said, what are you doing? I came to this country with nothing. And if you don't work in this company with me, I'm not giving you a dime. So yeah. stop spinning those stupid little <laughs> records. Now the man does $30 million a year, and wow. he's the most touringest DJ in the world. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. Uh, so what do you recommend people – what's the first step in this process of, of learning this and understanding this? What do you recommend if people don't – don't know besides reading your book obviously but no no of course yeah. like you know and, and so first of all let me let me be very clear and i've had to make sure that i, I want to acknowledge one thing i'm not glamorizing not having resources in your life right right because we all want to be able to take care of our family and have medical mm-hmm. and right. and and have the things and an education right. and things like that so that's why people go on shark tank exactly right to get resources Ex- exactly so mm-hmm. do not get me don't make me say oh so i'm supposed to feel good about not having any money <laughs> not at all <laughs> sure but make that hunger if you're going to yes. be there tap into that hunger instead of instead of complaining or feeling sorry or mm-hmm. thinking that something needs to happen right, right. so yeah i was just going to say it's more of an exercise of hustling essentially and using that hunger as opposed to, let me just throw everything I have at it and see what works. Right. Yes. And as I go through all those people, I want to show you that there's no one way to go to your, get to the level that you consider successful. But with this day and age of social media and technology, where there is no uh, barrier to entry anymore of meeting and getting out to yeah. people, you can have what we call a proof of concept and test your idea. So I go through there step by step on what to do. So, so now in any business, no matter what, you need to have a proof of concept, yeah. meaning, hey, I may think that my cupcakes are tasty, but let me see how many people buy them. Yeah. Now, if you can't even make a cupcake, I'm sure you can film a 30-second video on your phone and tell of you making it or telling people about it. And you can get proof of concept if you have – 10,000 people views your video. Right. Whatever, likes, whatever yes. the case is, right? And then you take that and then improve one and improve one it and start and start the process, right? Before it wasn't that easy necessarily. Right. You know, before when I made a shirt, I had to go and either sell it on the corner, sell it to somebody, and then I had to find the person the next day to sell it to them again. Um, <laughs> and then, or if I sold it to the store, who would they sell it to? Who walked by and pick it up? Unless I'm going to sit in the store all day. Let's see. And, yeah, who, yeah. Was it a woman? Was it a man? Was it a kid? Did they buy it for themselves? Was it a gift? Did they buy it to wash their car with? I, I have no idea. Did they haggle over the price? Now, you know. You're right. on the computer. You go, boop. Oh, somebody bought it. It. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's an 18-year-old kid. Lives in California. Exactly. Loves a skateboard. Has a pit bull. And has a bad case of dandruff. <laughs> exactly. Right? And so, so this is where we are today. Mm. So you can test your concepts very, very easily. And you can then be more equipped to go out to the world and you'll find funding. There's so many ways of getting funding now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious and I don't really want to talk too much about Shark Tank, but I'm just curious. Since yeah. We, we can talk about this. all, all yeah, of yeah. it. Who has been the most um, inspiring person to you from the seven seasons you've been on? The person that came on where you just like, they like blew you away that you wanted to go talk and learn more from them or you were just inspired by their story so much that um, maybe someone you invested in or someone you didn't so, or someone. It, yes. 
Very, very hard to say because there were so many. Right. And, I, and I and I truthfully, uh, the person who learns the most from Shark Tank, uh, whether the viewers or anybody else, is me. I learn from – I joke about the other sharks, but all, all joking aside, I learn from them. And I learn from these young men and women who are coming up here and they're doing business an entire new way. Yeah. And um, there's some in the book. There's one or two in the book. But, you know, let me let me think of others. I mean, there was this young lady I did a, mo- a deal with for uh, – it's called uh, – Fresh uh, picked moccasins, leather moccasins. She went and I believe she uh, she took aluminum frame windows and I think she went and melted down solo aluminum to make one pair of moccasins and then mm-hmm. so more and then made another pair of moccasins. Now she's doing you know a couple a couple of million dollars or little Mo. He's in the book. Little Mo Bridges. You know he came on the show. Young man, very laser focused on making bow ties. Him and his mother. And I I looked at them and and remember and they remind me of my relationship with my mother. And he was going to do a deal and takes Kevin O'Leary's offer, which is not wrong because he came on the show to ask for 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 capital sure. and resources. And Kevin O'Leary stepped up to the plate. But I, I told him that if he would have taken that thirty thousand dollars, you know, if I would have taken that back then with the Fubu days, it would have been worth a couple of hundred million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Because of uh, you know the percentage. So he he decided to decline the deal. I became his mentor, and honestly. I barely help the kid. He helps me more than I help him because <laughs> right. I I turn on TV. He's the fashion correspondent on the NBA draft, right? Wow. Doing about $300,000 in business. I go and I take him on to CNBC one day because I say, hey, I want to introduce you to Mo, and I want to take Mo out to Fashion Week in New York. Uh, um. Oh shoot! What did I forget? What's the <laughs> name? What's the name of the big big retailer in Dallas? That uh, Neiman Marcus, the CEO of Neiman, the, one of the highest retail outlets right. in the world, calls the show, and I've never been in Neiman Marcus, and I pick up the phone. Yeah, how can I help you? You know, you want my Kooji brand and all that. And she's like, uh, let me speak to Mo. <laughs> it, all wow. my life, I've never talked to this person. She wanted to speak to Mo. Wow. So Amazing. Very inspiring. That's very cool. What would you say is a ritual that you as a non-negotiable for you every single day? Something you do in the morning or at night or throughout the day? Something every day that you do? I read my goals. Mm. I read my goals not every day, but I read them five days a week. I read them in the morning, be uh, when I wake up, and I read them at night uh, before I go to sleep. I have uh, nine goals that range from um, uh, business to health to family. Uh, Six of them uh, expire every six months, and yeah, and two of them. uh, sorry, six of them expire in six months. Two of them expire in uh, five years, and one expires in twenty. and uh you know they're they're very very detailed in in what they are and the reason is i just want i want to read i want to i want them to be the last thing i i think about when i go to bed huh. and um i reset them every 6 months um but i notice that as the date comes up I start to have this um, anxiety, all right? <laughs> if and, you haven't achieved it yet. Yeah, if you haven't achieved it. And, <laughs> and most of them you're not going to achieve if you really set aggressive ones, right. but you're going to get their 50, 60, 70 percent, right? yeah. bang, then reset it for a longer period of time with another, a higher a goal to yeah. reach. Okay. What, what got you into setting goals or what's the process for you and why <clears throat> is this so important? Uh, the third time it settled in. 
the third time I, I read this book the first time when I was 16. The third time I read the book, I was 19. I read the book every year, Think and Grow Rich. It's a great book. Yeah. They're doing course. a documentary right now. Did they approach you? No, they didn't. I mean, they sent me some um, leather bags, some really special sure, sure. ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they uh, maybe they don't know how to get a hold of me. It's pretty uh, hard. Well, if you want, let me know. Yeah. They reached out to me to do it. Anyway, I, so. I would love it. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. Absolutely. Got a couple of them up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so many editions. Uh, yeah. You know, if we can only be so lucky to be like 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 Napoleon Hill, right? <laughs> it's amazing. Um. So 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 that that's where it is, and the ritual is pretty simple. It's it's you know. Um, if I say, Hey, I need to, I need to lose X amount of pounds, uh, you know, by this date I'm going to, and then what's the process? Well, I'm going to drink six bottles of water. I'm going to drink one green drink a day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do cardio in the morning. And if I can slip in some weight training at night, I'm not going to eat out to 7 PM. I'm not going to eat fried foods and or meat. And in return for that, I will be healthier and I will be able to live a longer prosperous life and be in my daughter's lives longer and to make sure that I'm there for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what is the goal? How are you going to get to that point? When does it expire? Yep. You know, and what do you, what is the reward for the goal? Sure. Why, you know, I do six and 12 months goals myself. Why do you think six months? I think you said a year and then, or five years and then 20. Yeah. Why that time frame? You? Um, you know, this time frame I pick. So I, I think six months is a reasonable time to accomplish something and or say to yourself, What's wrong with you? You've been talking this crap for six <laughs> months, right? I think that also in six months you can see the change because yeah. if I sit there every morning and I sit there and say I'm going to have a green drink or a banana for mm-hmm. breakfast, then that's one less time that I'm going to have that everything bagel with sour cream and mm, mm-hmm. salmon and all that stuff. Right. And by you know by the time the six months go, I probably done that. 40 times, 90 times, and you start to see the difference in what it is. So the five-year one, I want to be somewhere in, you know, what do – what are we going to do in five years? I don't know. And then 20-year one is always going to be about that kind of as you look over, as I look over my family and my health and my legacy to some extent and hopefully – I'll, hopefully, then I have to reset the twenty-one, right. the twenty-year sure, sure, sure. goal. Can you share with us one of them, or did you keep them pretty private? No, I share with you one a little bit. Yeah. The, the the losing weight yeah, one. Yeah. When I get back into my training mode, that's what I am. Uh, right. That's what I do. Um, do. You have a specific weight you want to get at? I I I always I always well usually <laughs> when I when I shoot Shark Tank, I'm always at one sixty-eight. Um, Why 168? Is that just the way you are? That's just the way my body works, right? I <laughs> yeah. get to 168, and then when I'm off season, I usually get up to about 185 during the winter. And then uh, if it's a, if I'm really, really like uh, traveling too much, can't do it, I can get as high as 193. Uh, you like to hibernate? You like no, to you know what? It's just being on the it's just being on the road, bad sleeping yeah, habits. Yeah, you know what I mean? Tough, um, and it's just hard. I'm sure this book launch is not helping you either. Nah, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I like that. I love it. Uh, what is another ritual in the morning that you do? Let's say when you're in your home, you're in a good routine, you're not traveling. What's another part of the ritual that you follow? It's gonna be it's gonna be getting up and it's gonna be um it's answering emails. I mean, yeah. you know, because you want so many opportunities. You want no, you no, you just want to get them out of the way before you get to the <laughs> office because you're never gonna get to them after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next book is probably gonna be called Death by Email. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, sure. I don't know. <laughs> These emails, man, kill me. What do you think's um? <clears throat> Something that wealthy individuals or people that you've been around who have built multi-million dollar businesses or billionaires, what do you think are two or three things that they think or do differently than 
people that don't make that. Uh, the billionaires I've seen, they, first of all, I'm not saying it because of the book, but they act, they they use the power broker. The power broker. Sure. They, sure. They'll spend a billion dollars on a party because that's a party. But they're very disciplined, and they won't spend that on launching a company. They will they will act like they don't have anything. Mm. Uh, what a mentality, number one. Number two is they write down everything. Really? They write down everything. Um, you know, we got into this day and age where uh, people are typing in their smartphones. They physically write down everything. And I remember one of them said to me, uh, the dullest pencil will always remember more than the sharpest mind, which is a very, 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 very well-known quote. And usually what they write, I noticed that they write uh, how to save the most on taxes. Really? Yeah. They usually write that because tax codes change often, right? And investments have certain tax benefits or not, whether philanthropy or whatever the case is. And I and, and, and they, they look at it like this. They go, well, I can either start, I, 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 you know, putting in my pocket uh, $200 million a year, argument's sake. I can either go and start a new business, right? That I need to go and, um, you know, and maybe I'll get up to 100 million, 200 million, and I pay taxes on it. Or how do I save on that 40 or 30% of taxes that I'm going to have to pay away because I already have the money? Why, right. why lose it? And they concentrate on that all the time. And wow. they, and they're looking at, you know, everything. And then, and then the last thing is when I've always talked to them, um, when we have conversations, they think purely on a global scale. Hmm. They'll, you know, we'll sit there and say, how many, um, how many people can I get to, to walk by my, uh, my, my plumbers, uh, you know, my service place, you know, in, in, um, in Manhattan on the street. And they'll sit there and say, how many cars are in the world? (laughs) They're really thinking like that. Yeah. They're like, how many cars are in the world? Hmm, how much have exhaust comes out of them? Exhaust pipe, carry the four, nine. That's how they are. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Uh, you talk about mentorships. Life's about mentorships. Yeah. You've had many great mentors over the years. Absolutely. Um, who have you yet to have mentorship from that you would love to be mentored by? Or is that not something you think about right now? Like if you could be mentored by anyone right now in the world, who would that be? That you're not already getting it from. Um, whew, very very tough. You know, I'm I'm mentored by really amazing people. <laughs> you know, Jay Abraham, oh, he's a brilliant marketing uh, guy. You know, so many really amazing people. Uh, I I I don't have a mentor. You know, maybe I met him once or twice. Richard Branson. I think yeah. the reason why is because he said something pretty fascinating. I didn't know Richard Branson is dyslexic like I am. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, you're talking. Couldn't, couldn't really read it all growing up. I'm saying, I'm <laughs> saying, four out of the six sharks are dyslexic. Wow. Um, Richard Branson is dyslexic, and he also somebody who, because I used to always say to myself, should I really focus on making FUBU Nike and try to go there and set my goals for that? Or am I too close to it? And Richard Branson has 300 companies. And he said he's an entrepreneur that gets bored fairly quickly, and he loves the process of new companies, bringing the fundamentals of what he knows over to a new process and the discovery of that. 
And as I looked at myself and I said, yeah, I have FUBU. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Amazing. But I have 10 other clothing brands. And now I'm a Shark Tank and I love this, 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 this. I love the, I'm dyslexic. I love the process. And um, I, I think that uh, we have – I, I just – when I heard him speak, um, we just – I just realized I have so much mm. in common with that guy. Mm. Why haven't you reached out to get the mentorship yet? Well, because first of all um, – I also do believe in mentorship that you should be uh, with somebody who's extremely accessible. I don't know if he's accessible, but I know one thing. I'm not accessible because I'm so busy. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want the guy to have the time to yeah. get it. Hey, man, I'll be in the mentorship. And I'll be like, yes. yeah, I'll schedule you. Uh, <laughs> Six months. And he'll be like, then you just ask me for a favor? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why are you so pushy? You know what I mean? Time is time, baby. I love that. I love that. You know, so. <laughs> okay. Who is, uh, who's been the most influential mentor for you? Through the business side of things. Um, um, I would think Jay Abraham has yeah, been. really? Yeah. yeah, because, you know, it's no, it's really, no, in no. Terms, in terms of scaling? or Very hard, of- very hard. Really, all of them. I, I can't say that any any yeah. one person uh, helped me more than the other. I can't say any one person didn't have the knowledge. My mother helped me in the beginning, my, sure. my stepfather, Steve, and then my amazing partners over at FUBU. You know, I have uh, my three, you know, f- friends who've been there all, all my life for me. They've helped me when the times are tough and I've learned from them. And then our other partners over on the other side of FUBU. So, I don't know. Um, and it's I see yeah, great. Yeah, it, yeah. It, amazing. I'm curious about uh, entrepreneurs that are looking to raise money and that and you get pitched, I'm sure, every day I do. by different entrepreneurs, whether it be email or in person yeah. in the elevator or whatever, they're probably pitching you, right? Sure. Uh-huh. What's a couple of things that, one, turn you off? No matter, like every time it happens, you're like, nope, not even going to talk to you anymore. Don't even open your mouth. Yep. And then what are a few things that are like, tell me more? Uh, things that turn me off is the fact that they don't have proof of concept. They just said they just think it's a good idea, and it's and it's my job to help you create the proof of concept. So you're mm-hmm. too lazy to do it. By the way, um, I have a hundred ideas in my head too <laughs> that I can own a hundred percent off uh, of. Yeah, yeah. So why? Yeah. Number one, number two so get is a proof of concept. A proof of concept. Show right? that if, there's a buzz. Yeah, something. if you don't have proof of concept, and they go, well, I. I don't know how to get it started. Well, then that's what you're going to be telling me when, when, when it is started and you, not, you don't know how to take it to the next step. I got my own headaches. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. The next one is, um, well, this is a $50 billion market. And if I only get 1%, 1%. oh, my God. <laughs> The bankruptcy market is a trillion dollar market. And I promise you're going to get one percent with that attitude. Right. Um, okay. Those are the things that turn me off. Uh, the things that uh, get me excited are: I tried this and I failed. I tried this and I failed. I tried this and I failed. And then I finally, bang, found out the best way to do this. And I found out because all these other things that I failed at doing in in, in this area. This one, I knew I was on to something. Somebody who's willing to admit their failure because any successful entrepreneur knows that you are going to fail more than you succeed. Right? That one, of course, that's it. And then the other one is proof of concept. Right. That's it. You know, you have the the right to make up your own opinion, but not the right to make up your own facts. Right. So, and you see that happen all the time. Kevin O'Leary will go, yeah. (laughs) 
how many uh how many how many did you sell that stupid thing right there and they like one million dollars he's like you're not too stupid now right right he's like oh sales cures all right you are not looking too stupid now exactly all of a sudden there's a halo over that person's head right but it sounds like for you it would have to be proof of concept uh, that they failed a bunch and now they hit something, but also it would have to be like something you're interested in for you that you're excited about. Hun- yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. no, no, I, I have to have an you don't interest. Care about in- like women's dresses or something, or yeah. you know, I don't know. I have to have an interest in it. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent, I have to have an interest because in you know what? If I don't have a full interest in it, maybe I'm a customer. Right. And and you know, listen, you know, the power broke theory is don't spread yourself to thin. You can't do every single thing in the world. And people think because. I have access to capital that people like us just walk around and buy everything. No. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I, I like that locker. I want to invest in a company. No. No, no man. You, you don't have time for that because no. in, investing is the – you then got to answer the phone call every time. Yeah. And do, So, you know, <laughs> I get all the time when Shark think, oh, that person had some great idea. Why didn't you invest in the company? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how much of your time is managing – uh, other entrepreneurs that you partner with, whether through Shark Tank or off of Shark Tank, that yeah. you've, because our friend Nathan, you've invested in sure. CrossFit gyms and other uh-huh. things like that. How much of your time every day is invest or is picking up the phone and just being an advisor or setting up meetings for people? Yeah, then- I, I look at um, b- besides my companies, I really look at it takes me about it takes about six months out of my my life all the investments, and I have for the re- year. Yeah, and I have really, really amazing wow. partners that allow uh, my businesses to run. And um, and again, you know, I could probably do more business in my business if I do. But these other opportunities that I'm in, whether I win or lose, they're teaching me about an entire new way of doing business. If I wasn't on Shark Tank or if I didn't do investments like Nate and CrossFit – I would never have an insight on the new way that the world is operating. I would have still been the FUBU guy going, hey, uh, you know, JCPenney's or Macy's, please buy my shirt. Mm -hmm. Hey, how you doing on social media? I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Uh, You know, and and I'd have been at the mercy of everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A couple questions left for you. That's cool. Um, What's the question no one ever asked you that they wish that you wish they asked? Or is there a question? No, you know, I've I've been I've been asked some really tough questions throughout these podcasts lately because, you know, you know, guys like you have been talking talking to Tony Robbins and and, and guys with enormous brains. So your brains get bigger as you speak <laughs> and I've been asked a lot of tough questions. So yeah. I'm not asking for somebody to ask me questions, you know. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um what's the biggest piece of advice besides the power of broke, which I want everyone to make sure to go get. What's the biggest piece of advice that you would give yourself just starting out on top of this? Oh, yeah. Listen, I, trust me. You and I doing the podcast, I'm not trying to make it a big wet kiss sure, about sure, the power sure, broke. Sure, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. I want to make sure yeah, that yeah. I didn't put in the book or I did put in the book. And, and whether I did or not, the, the advice that I would give the younger Damon John uh-huh. is make sure you have financial intelligence. I don't care 
even you're going to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur working for a company, whatever the case is. I don't care if you have money or you don't have money. Money is so hard to make and it's 10 times harder to keep. And it's a tool. And I almost lost too many times because I was so eager to make the money and I didn't have financial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And many people say, well, Damon, you didn't go to school or college and should I? And uh, the fundamentals of business are the fundamentals of business. And you need to go and study finance no matter what. And a perfect example of that is all the all the athletes that three years out of the league over sixty percent of them are broke, right? Yeah. How the Powerball people, some of them are going to be broke yeah. fairly quickly, three years, right? And it's because just you know, if you really look at the anatomy of a bankruptcy as something that, like, you know, if you and I, if I had, you know, $300,000, I'm going to probably buy a $50,000 house. I'm going to buy a little car for $20,000, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. If an athlete has $50 million, they're going to buy a $7 million right. house, and they're going to buy a bunch of cars. But it's the same house. Yeah. It's just a bigger bill. Yeah. And, you know, they're not going to understand about compounding interest and all, all the things that they need to do in life to make it because mm-hmm. money is just a tool. Yeah. What's the best book you would recommend for someone to be more financially intelligent? If there was one book to read that's hopefully understand a lot of these principles when they didn't know them? Well, I I think that I haven't read it yet. Everybody's talking really amazing about Tony Robbins. Great book. New book, Master of the Game. Yeah, Money, Master of the Game. Okay. I haven't read that. And again, dyslexic. I uh, So I'm sure you listen to audiobook probably. (laughs) I got to get the audiobook. Um, Of course, you know, Think and Grow Rich. I know. No, not Think and Grow Rich. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Okay. Rich Jeff Warden, it's it's a staple for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, Three final questions. Yeah. What are you most grateful for recently in your life? What am I most grateful for recently in my life? Um, You know, in my my personal life, I'm grateful that everybody uh, has their health. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any, um, any loss. You know, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of loss in my life growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in, yeah. whether people were incarcerated or they lost their lives at a very early age due to violence or drugs. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, hasn't been an issue with anybody in, in my life. Mm-hmm. So and I know it's inevitable. Right? right. And so so that's what happens. So I think I think on that on a personal issue um, on a recently on a business tip um i don't know you know of course my appointment to the white house i never thought i would be meeting and sitting with the president i've met the last three presidents of this great country and who would ever thought that right Right. um so business-wise i would say that is one of them and then another really great year of shark tank for the reason though that when i see that it's it's one of the top shows watched from kids five to fifteen, and one of the top shows watched parents and kids together. And when I see people come up to me and say, "You know what? My daughter wants to be a she wants to open be a shark as much as she stopped caring about being an actress, a singer, and a dancer, hmm. or you know, an athlete. Nothing wrong with that. Um, she wants right. to be a shark. Or right. when a mother comes to me and says. My son finally came up to me and said, "Mommy, I know what you do now at work." You know, mm-hmm. when when you when you see that, or people say, "I decided to start a business and I'm empowering myself," and you see that a show like that, that everybody said would never work, got almost canceled. Um, you know, seven years in, and people are religiously following it. Mm-hmm. When you see us changing lives, that's that's I mean, that's why Mark Cuban does it. 
People always wonder why does Mark Cuban do it? He don't he don't need investments, right? Yeah. He he doesn't need any more TV time. You always see him on basketball, <laughs> yeah. show, right? He does it because it's 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 really empowering. As you, what am I talking about? You, I mean, this is what you do. You yeah. empower people, and and it's it's just amazing. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. And what would you say is your biggest fear moving forward? It's always going to be health related. Mm. It's always going to be why has um, uh, God has really really blessed me for too long, mm. right? You know, I was a kid. I was hanging out. I don't know how many times I was doing things that kids do, right? Yeah. And um, why am I still just cranking along? Right? You know, I'm, sure. I'm almost 50 years old right now, uh-huh. right? And um, still a young man. Yeah, yeah, I am. But I, again, I've seen people yeah. not because of now I'm talking about violence or anything else like that. I've seen people just curl over and have a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, I know last year, I think I, I think I remember counting within three months 11 people that passed away on they and, and, and they did not realize it. Whether it was unfortunately in the beginning of the book. I dedicate something to uh, my, my venture capitalist who's an amazing man named David Freshman. He's the one that all my Shark Tank people had to, once they once we did the deal, they had to vet the deal mm. with David, right? And David truly believed in entrepreneurship ever since from day one. And he he's always somebody who was a venture capitalist, but one who taught kids and people of color on how to get into this business and amazing guy. You know, he called me and said, "Hey, I'm 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 ready to fight the biggest battle of my life." You know, right now, and I found out I have pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. and in within you know a very short time, you know, he, he's no longer with us. Wow. And yeah. I met about I I know about eleven people that faced that last year. So you never know when we're going to be, never you know, know, when the good man's going to call for us. Moment, you know, yeah. and hopefully Dave is down here protecting me now. Now he's my sure. ultimate venture capitalist protector. You know, right? Exactly. Um, final couple questions. It's the end of the day for you as we're talking about that. Yeah. Many, many years from now. And all of your books have been erased. Shark Tank has been deleted. Mm-hmm. Um, all your brands are gone. Yeah. And your closest friends and family are there. And you've got a piece of paper and a pen. And they say there's nothing else to remember you by except for this piece of paper and what you write down. And they ask you to write down three truths, the three things you know to be true about your experience in life and what they could see as a roadmap for their lives moving forward. Mm -hmm. What would you put down as those three troops for what's coming up for you right in this moment? Treated everybody uh, with respect that deserved it. Um, Knew that it was realized that it was my job to help inspire and or move people forward Mm. and never compromised any of any of my beliefs, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. I love that. Um, final question before I ask you, I want to make sure everyone goes and gets the book. Check it out. Power of Broke by Damon John. And where can we connect with you online? Where are you hanging out with the most? Your website uh, or? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm on, I'm on, you know, uh, powerbroke.com. I'm on damonjohn.com. And social media wise, I am on Twitter at the Shark Damon, um, Snapchat at the Shark Damon, Facebook at the Shark Damon, and Instagram. IG, Instagram. Instagram. Which one's your favorite one to hang out? Where do you spend more time on? Uh, you know, listen, I, uh, you know, I listen to Gary V and I, I, I wear, yeah. I wear a different outfit when I'm in different ones. You know, when I'm in <laughs> so, Facebook, I'm at the family reunion. I'm an Instagram. Yeah. I'm wearing the, you know, the skinny jeans with the curly mustache. I'm all, I'm all hipsterish. Uh, sure, you know, sure, I'm sure. on Twitter. I'm just kind of out in the park rolling yeah, around yeah. and I'm on, I'm on Snapchat. I don't really know what I'm doing just yet on Snapchat. <laughs> uh, I saw you post a, a photo of Gary Vee on in, your Instagram, uh, promoting his Snapchat. Yeah. 
He sent me that same text yeah, yeah, yeah. with the photo. I saw him post, everyone was posting that. I of was course. like, this guy's a hustler. He's a, oh, he's a, he's he's a, a monster. He's a good buddy of mine, too. And he's got a book coming out in a few months. Absolutely. He's probably hitting you up for that already. Not yet, but I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> it's coming. I'm waiting, man, because yeah, yeah. I'm here. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, cool. Well, I want to ask the, the final question then. Um, before I do, I want to acknowledge you, Damon, for your incredible service to the world. I think it's incredible what you've created as an example. You're really a symbol of inspiration for so many people. Well, thank from, you. you know, when you were 20, hustling in your, your basement, <laughs> sewing up hats, yeah. to consistently over 30 years being true to who you are and well, you. sharing your message and voice with the world, not just keeping it to yourself, but sharing your wisdom through your books, what you say on TV, really inspiring people. So I want to acknowledge you for showing up in a powerful way every wow. single day. I never looked at it like that, but I, yeah. I definitely appreciate it. And I think yeah. that I, I, I'm humbled by it, but I think that I'm I, very, very little comparison to so many people we meet. Sure. You know, Mother Teresa and, and so many amazing, amazing people. That, right. Our everyday teachers who are, who are, who are uh, not recognized and underpaid, who sure. take care of our kids. I hung on my kids for a week. I wanted to kill myself. They hang out with our kids for, you know, right. eight months. Exactly, right? but, exactly. But thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, my final question is, what's your definition of greatness? Oh, definition of greatness. I don't know. You know, I would say my definition of greatness is, you know, I guess it's greatest of all time, shocking the world, making people think that, surprising everybody and doing something that everybody thought you couldn't do, mm. you know, and, and, and feeling good about it. Uh, just, you know, testing yourself. I mean, I really, I, I read a really great quote the other day and it said, uh, the only person that you should try to be better than is the person you were yesterday. Mm. And I think that's, that's greatness, testing yourself and knowing you left it all in the field and you mm. gave it your all and not, and not complaining about whatever happened. Mm. Love it. David John, thanks so much for Thank you, on, man. man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you all so much for listening and checking out this interview with Mr. Damon John, the shark himself. Super pumped about this. Make sure to head back to lewishowes.com slash 279 to see how you can get access to more information on Damon, how you can follow him online, on social media. Check out his incredible site and make sure to get his new book, The Power of Broke. Again, share this with your friends, lewishowes.com slash 279. And let Damon know what you thought of this interview over on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for joining. This has been incredible. We've got amazing guests coming up very soon. Gosh, we've done some great interviews lately, and I'm super pumped about everyone that's coming on soon. So if this is your first time here, make sure to subscribe over on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and click on the School of Greatness podcast, and then click subscribe so you can listen to this during your morning workout or during your run or when you're making food or when you're going to sleep, you can pop it on, and especially when you're commuting to work. Thank you guys again so much for being here. I love you guys. I appreciate you. You know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. <laughs>